Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald Chapter 1 In my younger and more vulnerable years, my father gave me some advice that I have been turning over in my mind ever since. Whether you feel like criticising anyone who told me, just remember that all the people in this world haven't had the advantages that you've had. He didn't say any more, but he has always been unusually communicative in a reserved way. And I understood that he meant a great deal more than that. In consequence, I incline to reserve all judgments. A habit has opened up many curious natures to me, and also made me the victim of not a few veteran bores. Our normal mind is quick to detect and attach itself to this quantity. When it appears in a normal person, so it came about that in college I was unjustly accused of being a politician because I was privy to the secret griefs of wild unknown men. Most of the consequences were unsought. Frequently, I feigned sleep, preoccupation, or hostile levity. I realised by some unmistakable sign, intimate revelation was quivering horizon. The intimate revelations of young men, at least the terms in which they express them, were usually panegyric and marred by obvious superpressions. Reserving judgments is a matter of infinite hope. I am still a little afraid of missing something. I forgot that, that my father's subliminal suggested, and I subliminal late, the sense of fundamental deficiencies is parcelled out unequally at birth. After boasting this way of my tolerance, I came to the mission that it was a lim- limit. It has a limit. Conduct may be founded on the hard work or wet marshes, but at a certain point I don't care what it's found on. I came back from the east last autumn. I felt I wanted the world to be in uniform, a sort of a moral tension. However, I wanted no more righteous excursions with privileged glimpses into the human heart. Only Gatsby, the man who gives, gives his name to this book, was exempt for my reaction. Gatsby, who represented everything in which I was unaffected, having an unaffected scorn, with Percy his unbroken series of successful gestures. Then there was something gorgeous about him. 
some heightened sensitivity to promise to the promises of life as if he were related to one of the intricate machines that register earthquakes 10,000 miles away. This responsiveness had nothing to do with that flabby impersonality which is dignified under the name of creative temperament. It's a strongly gift for hope, romantic readiness, such as I never found in any other person, which is not likely I should not find again. Now, Gatsby turned out all right at the end. It... It is what preyed on Gatsby that foul dust floated in the wake of dreams, terribly closed out my interest in abortive sorrows and soot-winded abulations of man. My family been prominent, well-to-do people in its middle western city for three generations. Caraways are something of a clan. We have a tradition that we have descended from the Dukes of Buckley, but a the actual founder of my line was my grandfather's brother, who came from, came here in the fifty-one, sent a substitute to the Civil War, and started wholesale hardware business. My father carries on today. You never saw this great uncle, but supposed to look like him. With special reference to the rather hard-boiled painting hangs in the father, father's office, graduated from New Haven in nineteen fifteen. Just a quarter century after my father, little after precipitated the Leitonic migration known as the Great War, enjoyed the Canterbury so thoroughly, I came back restless. Instead of being the warm centre of the world, the Middle West now seemed like the ragged edge of the universe. I decided to go east and learn the bond business. Everybody I knew was in the bond business. Suppose it could support one more single man. All my aunts and uncles took it over, because they were choosing a prep school for me. Finally said, well, yes, with very grave, hesitant faces. I've agreed to finance me for a year. And after various delays, I came east. Permanently, I thought, in the spring of 22. The practical thing was to find rooms in the city. But it was a warm season. I had just left the country wild lawns, wide lawns and friendly trees of Wenamanyam. And the office suggested that he take a house together in community town. It sounded like a great idea. He found the house, a weather-beaten cardboard bungalow, at 80 a month. The last minute the firm ordered him to Washington. I went out of the country alone. I had a dog. At least I had him for a few days until he ran away. An old dodge and a Finnish woman who made my bed and cooked breakfast and muttered Finnish wisdom to herself over the electric stove. It was lonely for a day or two or so, till one morning some man, some man, more recently arrived, and I stopped me on the road. How do you get to West Egg Village, he asked, helplessly. I told him, as I walked on, I was lonely no longer. I was a guide, a pathfinder, original settler. He has casually conferred on me the freedom of the neighbourhood. So over the sunshine and great bursts of flames growing on the trees, just as things grow in my father's movies, I had that familiar conviction that life was getting over again with that summer. There was so much to read, for one thing, and so much fine health to be pulled out, down out of the young boy of air-giving air. I bought a dozen volumes of banking credit and investment securities, and they stood on my shelf in red and gold, like new money from the mint, promising to unfold their secret, shiny secrets. Amy Madras and Morgan and Menacides knew, had a high intention of reading many other books in besides. Rather literary in college, one year I wrote a series of very solemn and obviously editorials 
of for the Yale news. Now it's going to bank, bring my, all such things into my life. Come again, the most limited of all specialists, the well-rounded man. This isn't just an epigram. Life is much more successful. The looked um, from a single window after all. As a matter of chance, they should have rented a house one the stranger communities North America is on the slender righteous island which ascends itself due east of New York, where there are, among other natural curiosities, two unusual formations of land. Twenty miles from the city, a pair of enormous eggs, identical in contour and separated by Crossy Bay, jut out into the most decimated body of salt water, western hemisphere, great wet barnyard. Long Island Sound. They are not perfect ovals like the egg in the Columbus story. They are both crushed flat at the contact end. But their physical resemblance must be a source of perpetual wonder to the gulls that fly overhead. The wingless, a more interesting phenomenon, is is a dissimilarity in every peculiar set, shape, and size. I lived at West the Lake Egg. The well, the less fashionable, are two. Though this is most official tag to express the bizarre, not a little sinister contrast between them, a house was up at the very tip of the egg, only fifty yards from the sound, and squeezed between two huge races, a rented for twelve or fifteen thousand a season. The one on my right was a colossal affair, by any standard, it was a factual imitation, some hotel de ville in Normandy, a town one side, spanking you under the thin beard of the raw ivy, a marble swimming pool, a more than forty acres of lawn and garden. It was a Gapsy Manor, or rather, as I didn't know, Mr. Gapsy. It was his mansion, inhabited by a gentleman of that name. My own house was an eyesore. It was small, for, but it was a small eyesore. It had been overlooked, so I had a view of a water, perhaps a view of my neighbours of lawn, consoling permanent approximation of millionaires, all for eighty dollars a month. Because the cursory bay, the white palaces of fashionable East Egg glittered along the water. The history of summer really begins on the evening I drove over to have dinner with Tom Backerhands. Daisy was my second cousin, once rude. I knew Tom in the college. Just after the war, I spent two days with them in Chicago. Her husband, among various physical accomplishments, had been one of the most powerful ends and ever ever played football at New Haven, a national figure in a way, one of those men who reached such an acute limit to the excellent at 21, everything afterwards savours of our anticlimax. Family were enormously wealthy, even in college. His freedom with money was a matter for reproach. But he left Chicago and came east in a fashion, and rather took your breath away. For instance, he brought down a string of polo pyrenees for Lake Forest, Hard to realise that a man in my own generation was wealthy enough to do that. Why they came east, I don't know. They spent a year in France for no particular reason. They drifted here, and they were unrestedly wherever people made polo and were rich together. The permanent, this was a permanent move, said Daisy on the telephone, but I didn't believe it. I had no sight in, into Daisy's heart, but I felt that day at home would drift on forever seeking, little wistfully, the dramatic turbulence of some incomparable football game. So it happened on a warm winter on a wind, warm winter 
windy evening, I drove over East Egg to see two friends whom I scarcely knew at all. Their house is more elaborate than I expected. Cheerful red and white Georgian colonial mansion overlooking the bay. I long started at the beach. I ran towards the front door for a quarter of a mile, driving over sundials of brick walls and burning gardens. Finally, when it reached the house, driven up to the side in bright vines, vines as through, though for the momentum of its run, the front was broken by a line of French windows growing, glowing now and reflected gold and wide, open away a warm, winter afternoon. Tom Buckingham, tan, in riding clothes, was standing with his legs apart on the French porch. He changed since his New Haven day years. He was a sturdy, straw-haired man of fifth-thirty, a rather hard mouth and superlidious manner. Two shiny arrogant eyes, established dominance over his face, gave him the appearance of always leaning grassy forward. Not even the unfeathered swank of his rolling clothes could hide enormous power of that body. He seemed to feel the blistering boots until he strained the top lacing. He could see a great pack of muscles shifting, his shoulder moved under his thin coat. There's a body capable of enormous leverage, a cool body. Spoken voice, a gruff. Husky tenor added to the impression of factitiousness he conveyed. There was a touch of parental contempt in it, even toward men, people he liked. There were men in New Haven who hated his guts. Now you don't think my opinion on these matters is final, said seemed to say, just because I'm stronger and more of a man than you are. You were in the same senior society, but I were never intimate. I always had the impression that he proved of me, wanted me to like him, some harsh, defiant wistfulness of his own. Talked for a few minutes on the sunny porch. Got a nice place here, he said, his eyes flashing about relentlessly. Turning me around by one arm, he moved, moved, moved a broad, flat hand among the floor and fiesta, including in a suite with sunken Italian garden, half acre deep, pungent roses, a sub-nosed motorboat, a dumped, a tide ashore, upshore. A blunt had dead to me in the oil man. He turned me round again, politely and abruptly. We'll go inside. We walked through our high highway into a bright, coloured, rosy-coloured space, fragrantly, fragrantly bound to the house by French windows, either end. Windows ajar and gleaming white against the fresh grass outside that seemed to grow a little way into the house. A breeze blew through the room, blew curtains at one end and out the other, like pale flags, twisting them up. Towards a frosted wedding cake, the ceiling that rippled over the wine-covered rug, making a shadow on its wind, as it is, it is making a shadow on it as the wind does on the sea. The only compliment, completely stationary object, the room was an enormous couch, which two young women were buoyed up as though upon a blanket balloon, above them white, and their dresses were rippling and fluttering as if they had been blown back to another. Sh- and after a short flight. Around the house, I must have stood for a few moments, listening to the whip and snap of curtains and the groan of the picture. Of all, there was a boom as Tom Backerhand shut the rear windows and caught the wind, died out, and then caught wind died out about the room. The curtains and rugs and two young women ballooned slowly to the floor. The younger of the two was a stranger to me. She standing full length to her end of the van. Completely motionless, with her chin raised a little, she was balancing something on it, which was quite likely to fall. If she gave me 
saw me out of the corner of her eyes. She gave no hint of it indeed. I was almost surprised into murmuring apology for having disturbed her by coming in. Abigail Daisy made an attempt to rise. She leaned slightly forward for a conscientious expression. And then she laughed, an absurd, charming little laughter. Laugh, I laughed too, came forward into the room. I'm paralysed with happiness. She laughed again, said something very witty. I held my hand for a moment, looking up into my face, promising that there was no one in the world so much wanted. She knows her mom wanted to, so much wanted to see. The other way she had, she hinted a murmur that her surname was a balancing girl's barker. I heard it, said that Daisy murmur was only to make people lean full towards her in a very old criticism. Made it no less charming. Anyway, Miss Barker's lips fluttered. She nodded at me almost impertinently, separately, then quickly tipped her head back again. Held it was she balancing, and obviously teetered, totted a little, and giving her something of a fright. Again, a sort of apology rose to my lips. Almost any position of complete self-efficiency draws a stunned tribute from me. I looked back at my cousin, who began to ask me questions in a, a low, thrilling voice. Thrilling voice. It was a kind of voice that ears follow up and down as each speech is an arrangement. Our notes have never played again. Her face was sad and lovely. Your bright things in it, bright eyes and a bright, passionate mouth. There's an excitement in her voice that men who had cared for her found difficult to forget. A seeing compulsion, a whispered listen and promise she'd gone gay, had done gay, exciting things, just a little while, just a while since. Yeah, well, they were gay, exciting things, covering in the next hour. I told her how I stopped off in Chicago for a day on my way east, how a dozen people sent their love through me. Do they miss me? She cried ecstatically. Our town is dissolute. All the cars have left. Rear wheel, wheel painted black as a morning reef. There's a visit well all night along the north shore. How gorgeous. Let's go back, Tom, tomorrow. And she added irreverently, You ought to see the baby. I like to. She's asleep. She's three years old. Haven't you seen her? Ever seen her? Never. Well, you ought to see her. She's Tom back again. Had been hovering restlessly about the room. Stopped and rested his hand on my shoulder. What are you doing, Nick? I'm a bomb man. Who is? I told him. Never heard of them, he remarked decisively. It's annoyed me. You will, you will, I answered shortly. You will if you stay in the east. Oh, I'll stay in the east, don't you worry, he said, glancing at Daisy, and back at me as if he was alert for something more. I'll be god goddamn fool to live anywhere else. At this point, Miss Barker said, and absolutely, with such suddenness I was startled. It was the first word he'd uttered since I came into the room, evidently. It surprised her so much as it did me. So she yawned and with a series of rapid, stiff movements stood up into the room. I'm stiff, she complained. I've been lying on that sofa as long as I can remember. Don't look at me, Daisy retorted. I've been trying to get you to New York all afternoon. No thanks, said Miss Barker. Before Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was just in for the pantry. I'm absolutely in training. A host looked at her incredulously. You are? He looked down at his glass. There were a drop in the bottom of the glass. How will you ever get anything done is beyond me. I looked at Miss Baker, wondering what it was she got done. I enjoyed looking at her. She's a slender, small-breasted girl, a wrecked carriage, which she sedated by throwing her body backward. His shoulders like a young cadet. A grey, sun-strained eyes looked at, back at me. Polite, rhetorical curiosity. Curiosity. Out of way, out of way, in charming, discounted face. It occurred to me now, I had seen her, or a picture of her, somewhere before. You live in West Ake. Eggs, she remarked, contemptuously. I knew someone there. I don't I don't know a single. You must know Gatsby. Gatsby, the money? See? What? Gatsby. Gapsby. If I could reply, he's my neighbour. He, he was my neighbour. Dinner was announced. Wedging his tent's arm imperiality under mine, Tom Buckham compelled me from the room as though we were moving a checker to another square. Sedulously, languishly, their hands set lightly on their hips. Two women proceeded us out onto a rosy coloured porch open toward the sunlight set. Where four candles flickered on the table in diminished wind. <coughs> Why candles? objected Daisy, frowning. She snapped them out of her two fingers. In two weeks, been the longest day in the year. She laughed at us radiantly. Do you always watch for the youngest, longest day of the year and miss it? Always watch for the longest day in the year and then miss it? We ought to plan something, your Mr. Baker, sitting down at the table as if she were getting into bed. All right, said Daisy. What will we plan? She turned to me helplessly. What do we people plan? For I could answer her eyes fastened an odd expression on her little finger. Look, she complained. I, I hurt it. We all looked at the knuckles black and blue. You did, Tom, she said accusingly. I know you didn't mean to, but you did do it. That's what I would get for marrying a brute of a man. A great, big, hulking physical specimen of a... Hate that word, hulking, said Tom crossly. Even kidding, hulking, insisted Daisy. Sometimes she and Miss Baker talked at once, unfruitlessly, a bantering and concurrence. That never quite that was never quite cheddar. That was as cool as their white dresses and personal eyes and absence of all desire. There they were here they were here. They accepted Tom and me, making any only polite, pleasant effort to entertain or be entertained. They knew that presently dinner would be over and little Later the evening too would be over, casually put away. It was sharply different from the West, where an evening was hurried from phase to phase, towards its close, continually disappointed 
precipitation, or else in sheer nervous dread of the moment itself. You make me feel uncivilized, Daisy, confessed to my, uh, my second glass of corky, a rather impressive claret. Can't you talk about the crops or something? I mean nothing in particular, but it, by this remark, but it was taken up in a respected way. Civilization's, civilization's going to pieces, Bugger Tom violently. Got in to be a terrible pessimist about things. Have you read the rise of the gold-coloured empires by his best man, Goddard? Why, no, I answered, rather surprised by his tone. Well, it's a fine book. Everybody's ought to be read it, ought to read it. The idea is, if we don't look out, look out, the white race will be, well, be utterly submerged. All scientific stuff has been proven. Tom's getting very profound, said Daisy, especially with her thoughtful sadness. He reads deep books with long words in them. What was that word we? Well, these books are all scientific, insisted Tom, glancing at her impatiently. The fellow who's worked out the whole thing, it's up to us who of the dominant race to watch out for these other races who have control of things. We've got to beat them down, whispered Daisy, winking ferociously towards the fervent sun. You ought to live in California, began Miss Barker, but Tom interrupted her by shifting heavily in his chair. Is that, they, uh, is that we're nomics? Norm, uh, Am I? And you are? And you are? And after professional hesitation, you included Daisy with slight nod. She winked at him again. And we produce all things that go to make civilization. Of science and art and all that. Do you see? Something professor in his concentration, his complacency, more accurate, acute, than an old, but was not enough for him any more. But he almost immediately, almost immediately, the telephone rang. He said, the butler left the porch. The butler seized upon a momentary interruption. And then he told me, I tell you a family secret. She whispered effusively. About the butcher's butler's nose. Do you hear, want to hear about the butler's nose? That's why I came over tonight. Well, he, did, he wasn't always a butler. He used to be a silver polisher for the people in New York. And a silver ser- had a silver service for 200 people. People had to polish it from morning till night. Until finally it began to affect his nose. Things went from bad to worse, suggested Miss Barker. Yes, things went from bad to worse. But finally he had to give up his position. From a moment, the last sunshine fell with romantic affection upon a glowing face. A voice compelled me forward breathlessly. So this and then the glow faded. Each light deserting her in lingering regret. Her children leaving a peasant tree at dusk. Street at dusk. The butler came down back and murmured something close to Tom's ear. And whereupon Tom frowned, pushed back his chair, and without a word said, went outside. As if absence quickened, something within her, Daisy leaned forward again, her voice loving and singing. I'd love to see you at my table, Nick. You remind me of a rose, an absolute rose, doesn't he? She turned to Miss Baker for confrontation. Confirmation. Absolute rose, this was untrue. And not even more, not even faintly like a rose. She is only terminating a stirring warmth followed of her as if her heart was trying to come out to you concealed in one of those breathless, thrilling words. And suddenly threw her napkin on the table, excused herself, went into the house. With back and I exchanged a court glance, consciously devoid of meaning, about to speak when she sat alertly and said, shh, a warning voice, a subdued and passionate 
as his murmurs of the room beyond, Miss Baker leaned forward unshamed, trying to hear. A murmur trembled on the verge of coherence. Sank back, mounted sightedly, and then ceased altogether. This Mr. Baxley, Gatsley, you spoke of, is my neighbour again. Don't talk, want to hear what happens. Is something happening? I inquired instantly. You mean to say you don't know, said Miss Baker? Honestly surprised, I thought everyone knew. I don't. Why, he said hastily, Tom's got some woman in New York. Got some woman? I repeated blankly. Miss Baker nodded. She must have the deep. She might have decently not to telephone her at dinner time. Don't you think? Almost before he had grasped her meaning, there's a flutter of a dress and a crunch of leather boots and Tom and Daisy by the table. It could be helped, cried Daisy, the tense clarity. She sat down, glanced searchingly at Miss Baker. That mean continued. I looked outdoors for a minute. And anyway, it's a very romantic outdoors. It's a bird on lawn. I think I'll be night again. Come over on a colored white song, star line. Singing away, hey, her voice sang. It's romantic, isn't it, Tom? Very romantic, he said. Amazingly, miserably to me, it's a late enough after dinner. I want to take you down to the stables. Telephone rang inside, startling. Dirtling as a daisy shook her head. Decidedly at Tom, the subject of the stables, in fact, all subjects, among vanished in the air. Under break of fragments of the last five minutes, the table remembered the candles being lit again, pointlessly, as conscious of waiting to look squarely at everyone, and yet to avoid all eyes. I couldn't guess what Daisy and Tom were thinking. I doubt if even Miss Barker seemed to have mastered a certain hardy scepticism, as able aptly to put this his fifth his fifth guest's thrill, metallic urgency out of her, m- her mind. His certain temperament and situation might have seemed intriguing. I only think was to telephone immediately for the police. Horses, readers to say, were not mentioned again. Tom and Miss Baker, with several feet of twilight between them, strolled back into the library, as if to be, as if to be, to a vigil beside a perfectly tangible body, which, trying to look personally interested, a little deaf, I followed Daisy around the chain, connecting verandas to the porch in front. In deep gloom, we sat down side by side in a wicker settee. Daisy took her face in her hands as fears feeling his lovely shape. Our eyes moved gradually out to the velvet dust. Dusk, I saw the torment of emotions possess her. As I asked, what so I, I thought would be some sedated questions by a little girl. We don't know each other very well, Nick, she said suddenly. Even if we were cousins, you can't, didn't come to my wedding. I wasn't back from the war, a truce he had to lead. Well, I had a pretty, very bad time, Nick. A very, a pretty cynical about everything. And so evidently she had a reason to be. I wanted, but didn't say any more. Well, and after a moment I returned, well, I believe it is the subject of her daughter. Suppose she talks and eats and everything. Oh, yes, she looked at me about, certainly. Yes, Nick, let me tell you. What I said when she was born, would you like to hear very much? To show you how I got to feel about things. Well, she's less than an hour old. Tom was good, God knows where. I woke up at Eve, without the abandoned feeling. I asked the nurse right away if it's a boy or girl. She told me it's a girl, so I turned my head away and wept. All right, I said. It's a, it's a, I'm glad it's a girl. I hope she'll be all right full. That's the best thing a girl could be in this world. A beautiful little fool. You see, I think everything's terrible anyway. How? He went on a convicted way, convinced, convinced way. Everyone knows so. Most of us people I know been everywhere, I've seen everything, and done everything. Eyes flashed around her, defiant way around, rather like Tom's, as she laughed. 
and shield feeling scorn. <coughs> sophisticated guard, unsophisticated. Here's a voice broke off. KC seemed to compel my attention to my belief. I have ba- the basic sincerity, sincerity of what she has said. It made me uneasy, as though the whole evening had been a trick of some sort to distract, distract a circumferry emotion for me. I waited mainly sure enough in a moment. She looked at me, absolute smirk on her lovely face. So she asserted my membership, rather distinguished secret society, where she and Tom belonged. Inside the crimson room bloomed with light. Tom and Miss Baker sat at the either end of the long couch, and she read aloud to him from the Sunday Saturday evening post, words murmurous and infected, and infected. Flected, running together in a smoothing tone. tune. The lamplight bright on his boots, dull and autumn leaf yellow. The hair glinted among the paper as he turned a page of sletter the slender muscles in her arms. When I came in, she held us silent for a moment with a lifted hand. To be continued, she said, tossing a magazine on the paper in our very next issue. Our body asserted itself, restless moment, her knee, and she stood up. Ten o'clock, she remarked, apparently finding the time on the ceiling. Time for this little good girl to go to bed. Jordan's going to play the tournament tomorrow. It's playing Daisy over at Winchester. Oh, you and Jordan Baker. I knew now why her face was familiar. It was fleeting, contemptuous expression. It looked out at me from the many Rovegravian pictures of her sporting life, Asheville and the hot springs of poem speech. I had heard some story of her, too, a critical and pleasant story. That what what it is, what it was I had long for, forgotten long ago. Good night, she said softly. Wake me at number eight, won't you? If you don't, if you get you get up. I will. Good night, Miss Carraway. Mr. Carraway. See you alone. Of course you will, confirmed Daisy. In fact, I think I'll arrange a marriage. Come over more often, Nick. I'll sort you, uh, fling you up together. You know, lock you up and accidentally live in carpet closets. I'll put you out to see the boat. All that's no thing. Good night, called Mr. Baker, Miss Baker. Upstairs. I haven't said a word. She's a nice girl, said Tom, after a moment. She ought to get let her run around the country this way. Who ought to? Quite pleaded coldly. Her family. Family's one and aunt. About a thousand years old besides Nick. Going to look after her. Aren't you, Nick? Going, she's going to spend lots of weekends out here this summer. I think the house influence will be very good for her. I think the home's influence will be very good for her. Tom and Daisy and Tom looked at each other for a moment in silence. Is she from New York? I asked quickly, from Louisville, our white girlhood has passed together there, our beautiful white. Did you give Nick a little heart-to-heart talk on the veranda? demanded Tom suddenly. Did I? She looked at me. At me. I didn't seem to remember, but I think we talked about neurodadic race. Yes, I'm sure we did. It was crept up on us. The first thing you know, don't you believe everything you hear, Nick? He advised me. I said, I said lightly, I've never heard nothing at all. A few minutes later, I got got up to go home. I came to the door with me and stood side by side with a cheerful square of light. It's a cheerful square of light. As I started in my motor, Daisy primarily called wait. I've got to ask you something. 
It's important we heard you were engaged to go on out west, as right corroborated. Conley, Tom Conley, he heard that you were engaged. It's a libel. It's a libel. I'm too poor. But if we heard it, Sister Daisy surprised me by being up again the flower, up in a flower-like way. We heard it from these three people, so it must be true. Of course I knew what they were referring to. I wasn't been eagerly engaged. Vaguely engaged. In fact, the gossip published the barns for one of the reasons I come east. You can't stop going from an old friend to a quaint count of rumours. On the other hand, I had no intention of being rumoured into a marriage. Their interest rather touched me and made me less remotely, ri- remotely rich. Nevertheless, I was confused the disgusted as I drove away. It seemed to me the thing for Daisy to do, rush out of the house, travel on, but apparently no such intention for her head. Ahead. As for Tom, in fact, he had some women in York. It was really less surprising that he'd been depressed by a book. So he was making him nimble at the stage of nibble, at the edge of state ideas, and his study, study of physical egotism, so longer, no longer nourished his peremptory heart. Already it was a deep summer of the garrowed house roofs in front of the wayside garages, where new red petrol pumps sat out in pools of light. I reached my estate, a West Lake egg. I ran the car under its shed and sat for a while on the abandoned grass roller in the yard. The rain had blown off, leaving a loud, bright night with the wings beating in the trees and a persistent organ sound full bellows of the earth blow, blue and the fogs full of life. Silhouette of a moving cat weaved across the moonlight. And turning my head to watch it, I saw I was not alone. Fifty feet away, a figure had emerged from the shadow of my neighbour's mansion, and standing with his hands in his pockets, regarding the silver puppet pepper of the stars. Throwing his leisurely movements, a circular net position his feet, and a long suggestion he was Mr. Gapsy himself, came out to determine what shares has his his or of our local heavens, I said a call for him, to him. If Vega had mentioned him at dinner, I would do for an introduction. But I, hadn't, I didn't call to him. He gave a sudden invitation. He was invite, content to be alone. He stretched out his arms towards the dark water, curious way. As far as I was, as far as I was from him, I could have sworn he was trembling, voluntarily. I glanced seaward and distinguished. Nothing except a small green light, minute and far away. It might have been the end of the dock. When I looked once again for Gatsy, he vanished. I was alone again, and then quiet darkness. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 